We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, it's been a minute. You've been uh, busy uh, tracking down Tiger. I have. Uh, it's been, yeah, this summer, this last month has been crazy. I've been vacationing. I've been uh, major championshiping. Uh, it's been fun, but I'm I'm sort of ready to settle in uh, for football season and hopefully not travel as much. Probably means you you travel more during football season, though. Oh yeah, I I travel a bunch during college football. I usually go on the road with either Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, depending on the week. So I'm I'm ready, man. Summer's been fun. I've been on vacation a lot too, but uh, I, I'm ready for college football and. I really start to get antsy here towards middle of August, but yeah, I saw a, I saw a clip or a photo or something from um, oh, what game was it? It was some game last year. Uh, it was Dylan Stoner in some game last year, and I, I I got kind of fired up. I was like, yeah, well, I'm I'm ready to do this. I'm excited. Are you going to uh, any home games this year? Do you know yet? Yeah, I'm going to try to get to the first one and then I'm going to probably go to maybe maybe Texas, maybe one one of the other like comp, uh conference games and then I'll actually be on the road quite a bit. I'm going to go to Baylor. Uh I'm probably going to go to TCU. And then there was one other. I might go to OU as well. So, I should I should get to a fair amount this year. Hopefully about half of them. I just was reminded of uh, the gif uh, of you and me when Ramon Richards made the interception at Texas. <laughs> That's my face when I realized that uh, college football is almost here. <laughs> when you like rabid punched me in the ribs. Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good thing you're in the gym often because that would have that would have you would have been out for a while if not. I think I would have had a torn oblique like like Rick, <laughs> like Ricky Fowler. <laughs> Yeah, how much of the how much of the PGA did you catch? Did you did you ever at any point? This is my go to question right now. Did you ever at any point in the tournament think that Ricky Fowler was going to win? Um, no, because he hasn't won one, and I just I've seen too much evidence of him kind of falling apart on the weekend. Uh, I was on vacation in Austin, so I didn't get to watch much of the first couple rounds, but I was um, I watched like almost the whole thing on Sunday. And I, I loved his uniform combo on Sunday. It was very yeah. subtle. It was very clean. And I kind of got the vibe like, man, is this is this the time that – is this the major Ricky's finally going to win? And then he – we saw about literally about two or three of his shots all single day because he just played terribly and everybody else lit up the course. But uh, no, when he – when he came out in the lead the first couple of days, yeah, I was starting to get a little bit excited. But um, there's still in the back of my mind, at least, the the weekend struggles just continue for him. And until he pushes through and wins one, or wins a tournament for that matter, let alone a major, uh, I just I'm gonna have my doubts. Well, him and Brooks Kepka have the same number of PGA Tour wins. So <laughs> Brooks has three majors and that's four what, total wins. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. I think with Fowler. I, I think it's hard because so the first thing is that he went is that he <clears throat> he beats a ton of guys. Like if you just look at how many people were in the field and how many did Ricky Fowler beat, he's like one of the one of the best in the world. Like he always finishes T11 or T7 or you know solo 6 or whatever. But he he, he doesn't win a lot. And I think that there's this sort of I don't know. I've gone back and forth on like his ability to close because if you look at his biggest win, Players Championship. It's the best. It's literally the best close 
probably of the last five to 10 years of on any tour, any event. He played the last five holes in like six under. It was a joke. And so you've got that. You've also got the way he closed out the masters this year, which he could have won with Patrick Reed just getting in uh, one ahead of him. And so he, he has closed. He just hasn't done it at a, at a major that resulted in a win. And I think, because you it's almost like he's a victim of his own success because he's put himself in position a lot but hasn't gotten it done that people are like oh well he sucks well no he doesn't suck he just doesn't he's just he's like the the least successful of the top players which is a great place to be financially and for your career and all these other things but because we only care about the top players it sort of makes him look uh pedestrian yeah, and I think that's where the the question lies. Like, does, is he penalized for putting himself in position more than anybody else? You know, he's got what eight top tens and majors. It's almost as if he gets penalized for that. Wouldn't you rather be in his position than say, yes, uh, yeah, almost any other guy who hasn't won one? Yeah. Um, and you're right about the closing too. This is really kind of ironic that this was on TV last night. I was watching the Golf Channel. And they had uh, one of the old Ryder Cups. The year it was in Europe, and Graham McDowell hit a huge putt against Hunter Mahan to win it. Yeah, what it year 20, would that have been? It was 2010, and didn't Fowler birdie like his last four holes to split a, a point? Long-haired Ricky with a puka shell necklace birdied yeah. like his last five or six holes, and including a long putt to to have his match and really get a crucial point. So, like, what was that against? Had, uh, was that against Francesco Molinari? No, I, th- I think uh, God, who was he playing? I don't remember. I think Molinari was against Tiger that year. Okay, okay. Uh, they showed. It, I think it was the other Molinari, maybe. Eduardo. Yeah, it was the other Molinari. <laughs> the wrong Molinari brother. Yeah, it was the Fredo Molinari. <laughs> that's a that's a God- Godfather reference. You don't understand. I f- I figured it was. But that's a perfect example of he has the the closing clutch factor and. You and I had gotten an argument via text about him, and I, again, I'm not like a Ricky super fan. I'm just not. I think he, I pull for him because he he is from Oklahoma State. He does have that local tie. It helps me when I'm putting a show together if he's doing well. But I'm not like the guy that wears like orange pants out to the the golf course. I'm not like a super fan. I can appreciate how many times he puts himself in position, and I think that's not something to be derided. I do think he has had weekend struggles, but these things are hard to win, too. So I I see totally both sides of it. But it's to the point now where it's kind of becoming a a serious narrative about him not being able to finish on the weekend at a major. Yeah. And it's, you know, I I, I listened to, I was talking to somebody the other day, and and, uh, he was like, you know, how how much longer is Ricky going to be like one of the eight or 10 biggest favorites for these majors? It feels like a long time, but you've got so many young guys, 19 and 20 year olds that are so good at golf that are going to start overtaking him as one of the favorites to win a major championship. It's all, it's a lot of what happened to Sergio, like in the middle of his career of like all these up and coming guys, Fowler included in some ways sort of overtook him as like the, the guy at these majors. And so do I think he's eventually going to win one? Yeah, because it's almost impossible. It's almost unprecedented to put yourself in position that many times and not get it done. But um, I don't know. I, I see both sides of it too. Like you can 
easily argue either side of the Ricky Fowler debate and, and have a pretty good case. Well, is he the question I guess here is, is he the Sergio Garcia of his generation of, is he the, is he the American Sergio Garcia? How many wins did Sergio have in his career? 10? Well, it's, it's hard because Sergio won a lot in Europe. And so if you're going to, if you're going to say, well, Ricky won the Scottish open as well. And he's won in Asia, which is fine. I'm fine with that. Those are real wins. But Sergio won a ton in Europe. And then on the PGA Tour, I think he's won, yeah, 10, 11, 12 times, something like that, which is it's a pretty good career. You know, is, is Ricky Fowler going to get to 12 wins on the PGA Tour? I don't know. He might. but He's not on, he's not on pace. <laughs> right. He might not. So um, the other thing is Sergio is like an all-time Ryder Cupper, like all-time, like, like maybe the one of the three best Ryder Cuppers ever. And Fowler's been he's been fine in Ryder Cups, but he hasn't been the the guy that Sergio has been throughout his career. What's well, uh I think Ricky's been an above average Ryder Cupper. Maybe not an all time great. Right. What's his uh what's his record? I'm trying to find it. I, I just think that if you look at we're gonna get to Oklahoma State football, by the way, but uh if you look <laughs> at if you look at Sergio's career, it's it's sort of historically underrated, and I think his Masters win brought that to light. Uh, and I think he's had at the at the same age, like when he was twenty nine, I think he was pretty far ahead of where Fowler is in terms of wins and and kind of what he had accomplished. Oh, do, are you ready for Ricky's Ryder Cup overall record? <laughs> is it not good? It's not good. It's two, <laughs> two, four, and five. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, isn't it's, it, it isn't it appropriate he has more ties than wins or losses? Just yeah, how his career's played out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and he finished second in the uh, aggregate major total this year, which is also fitting. Which is he, yeah, that that illustrates just he's one of the best golfers. He just doesn't win a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's so, true. He's. Anyway. I, I would like to reiterate though, like he is incredibly easy to pull for. I mean. He, I don't know. Like he gets sort of, I guess, made fun of for like sticking around to congratulate these winners and whatever. Like maybe you can do that in the locker room. Maybe it doesn't have to be in front of the cameras, but he, I think like people look at Phil and see him as like, like some people perceive Phil as being like this fake nice guy. I think Ricky's like an actual nice guy in terms of like the way he treats other people. And I mean, I, I was on the first tee when he teed off on Sunday and he's like chatting up all these PJ of America people right before he tees off in the final round of a major, like just, you know, Hey, when do you start your new job and how's it going? And it's like, well, this is crazy. Like he's just, that's just who he is. Like, so I, he, he is certainly uh, very easy to root for in, in these tournaments. Well, he's a good dude for sure. And I think if he were to win one, you know, he gets made fun of for sticking around. I think there would be like a gallery of PGA Tour players waiting for him on the 18th green when, when and if he does, does win one. Yeah, like, I think that kind be, of shows you how well cool. liked he is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we get to football, just give me your – you were there on the scene. I haven't had that much fun watching golf, watching Tiger, maybe since the 2008 U.S. Open where he beat Rocco Media. Just what was it like being there? Because uh, I was – Literally fist pumping in the living room. <laughs> I don't know if you heard the uh, <clears throat> the No Way Not podcast. I think you said you listened to it, but when Solly said that Tron did the Ray Lewis dance in in their <laughs> living room, 
<laughs> I lost it. Uh, it was it was surreal, man. It was it was. I saw somebody, Justin Ray of Golf Channel, who does like golf uh, statistics and a bunch of like information and data for them. It, basically, anything you see on any golf channel show, especially at majors, like that's a statistic that Justin Ray has found and he's incredibly good at his job. But anyway, he was talking about how the only thing he could compare it to was the Ryder cup in 2016 at Hazeltine. And from, from like a crowd standpoint, I mean, it was, it was ludicrous. It was complete and utter pandemonium all over the place. Um, it's hard to, it, it it really felt like the way I described the Ryder Cup in sixteen was a college football game at a at a uh, golf course, and that's a <laughs> and that's a lot what this felt like. I mean, it was it was hot. It was like those, you know, September afternoon games where it's just so hot, but you're so like amped up to be there, and people are going crazy. And it felt like I would look around at times as I was walking next to Tiger, and I. I just thinking about how surreal the entire thing was not, I mean, yes, for me, like within my own life, but also like for him, like nobody ever thought that he would really play well again, much less almost win a major on a Sunday with that leaderboard. It it was astounding. It, It felt like I had almost been taken back in time and was covering like the 2007 PGA and not the 2018 (laughs) I mean, that's, that's seriously what it was like. And the shots he was hitting, I just kept looking at the guys I was with and it was like, who is this? Like he, he, he looked like the best player in the world and he, and he was for, for most of the weekend. Except off the tee. I still think he, he has like the yips off the tee. How do you explain, how can he be so dialed in with his irons and hit an iron off the tee 30 yards to the right? I don't he, know. He literally didn't hit a fairway and shot 32 in the final no, front nine. That was incredible. <laughs> maybe my, he should maybe he should just not tee it up. Just pretend like it's a just hit it off the ground. I don't seriously, know. Seriously, pretend there's a flag in the middle of the dang fairway. I don't know, but yeah. it was it was surreal and one of my favorite stories, I think it might have been your boy uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg on the mm-hmm. he either said it on the no laying up or the or the fried egg that he told an old story about Stevie Williams and how mm-hmm. Tiger would get so dialed in that he was worried about him hitting the flag and getting a bad bounce off the flag. That's so that's, good. That's how dialed in he was on some, like he literally had to like take a yard off so he wouldn't hit every flag. Well, when he hit the shot into uh 15, when he almost hold it, we were, we were, we, we were behind him. So we saw it going in and he turned and just slammed his club into the ground. And I was like, he thought he was going to make that. He He's mad was, it didn't go in, right? He, he thought that was going in. And <laughs> it was just, it the whole thing was crazy. But you knew it was coming down to 17, and he knew it too. Like, he knew he had to eagle 17 or bur- at least birdie it. And so yeah. when he hit that, that bad tee shot in 17, he knew it was over. Like, he, you, you could tell that he knew that that was, that was ball game. Well, and I know you can go through every hole, but the lip out for bogey on 14 and the putt that just sat on the lip of the cup, if, if those two drop, yeah, I mean, we're in a playoff. I mean, that's yeah. how close, that's how close he came. And Brooks Kepka is just a terminator. So he's a, just, he's a monster. He's just a terminator. He didn't even like blink. He makes yeah. like every eight foot putt. It's just, it's, it's crazy how good he is. But Florida uh, state. Yeah. I was in on him until he like won a major and then I realized he's kind of boring. <laughs> and you, you you guys talked all about how confusing it is that he's not that likable, but 
yeah. I'm in the firmly not likable deal until he starts winning Ryder Cups. Then I'm then I'm all in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's get to some football, Kyle. Um, we were talking before the show. Just we kind of expected this three-way quarterback battle with Gundy giving updates every practice, but Gundy kind of stemmed the tide on all that early with saying uh, Cornelius was the guy. I think. I still kind of like Drew Brown a lot. I think he's got some moxie, but that's uh, kind of killed a lot of the uh, the drama in fall camp, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. You know, I think we I said this to you, but I think we went into August thinking like, oh, well, you know, what will we talk about? We'll talk about because last year you're talking about like how good can OSU be, and this year you thought you'd be talking about well, who's going to be quarterback? And then when Gundy announced it, you're like, oh, well, uh, okay, what else are we going to talk about? It's it's very it feels like the season needs to get here uh, a little bit uh, because you don't, I think everybody who's writing and talking and thinking about this is sort of just uh, guessing, not guessing, but it's just like, well, we don't really like Gundy has said, like, I don't really know what Cornelius is going to do in a game. And then based on that, you'll have your kind of your squad, your team going forward. So I, I think it's just sort of like hurry up and wait for the next few weeks until we get to the first game. Yeah, I think you're right. And again, I'm fascinated to see what they do with Spencer as far as the red shirt rule. That'll be interesting. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit about the receivers, Kyle. A uh, friend of the show, Michael Doty, wrote an article uh, for the Sports Animal, kind of predicting who he thought would you know lead the team in, in catches and, and touchdowns and yards. Uh, I wanted to pose that to you. Who do you think, uh, I guess, first, who will lead the team in uh, just total catches? Uh, you know, because OSU lost a ton, obviously, at receiver with Marcel Aitman, James Washington. But, man, they still have a lot of guys. Uh, yeah, real quick before we, I, I do want to answer that, but I wanted to make one other point on the quarterbacks. I feel like every time I talk to a media member or somebody, they talk about how, oh, Spencer's the future, Spencer's the future, he's the guy. But he needs to, like, he needs to learn. Like he needs to figure out what he's doing. And then every time I hear Gundy talk, he's like, I'm shocked at how fast he's learning. I cannot believe how quickly he's picking this stuff up. And so I'm like, well, when I put those two things together, what does that, what does that actually mean? You know? And I know that, I know that you're high on Brown and, uh, and and I don't, I don't know. I, it just feels like there might be a little bit more to the QB race than uh, maybe we're giving it credit for on August 16th. Well, and that becomes the question, Kyle. If if it's close, and he's learned that much, don't you just go with Spencer Sanders? I mean, if his I, ceiling yeah. is that much higher, yeah, I would think so. Again, I, I I I like Taylor Cornelius. I get the team loves him. I get certain fans love him. I just if I had to wager money that he would be the starting quarterback at the end of the season, I would say no. I think either Brown or Sanders will eventually overtake him. I think he starts the year as a quarterback. I would kind of be surprised if he if he plays well enough to finish it. What it might, it might be well. It might be a Mike Boynton situation. Remember how we were when when Mike Boynton was hired? We were like, oh, why why'd they hire this guy? Like I don't even know who he is. We <laughs> want we want Gottlieb. We want the new guy. You know. And now two years later or a year and a half, whatever, we're like, oh. <laughs> This guy's awesome. He's the best. So to hell I do with want, Underwood. To, yeah, I do wonder if if it's that sort of situation with Cornelius. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I I would say no on him ending the year. I think more because like of attrition and injury than necessarily he just gets 
knocked off his uh, like that somebody overtakes him. I, I just think it's going to be a I don't know. I, I think they're going to use multiple guys this year for one reason or another. It does seem when OSU doesn't have like a a clear cut number one, they tend to have injury issues to where they all play anyway. You know, you yeah. go back to the the West Lunt years uh, and so on and so forth. Dex Garman, you know, on down the line. So yeah. you might you might be right. Uh, okay, your question on who uh, was it? Who will lead the team in receptions? Yeah, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Dylan Stoner, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think that's a good a good call. Although it just it depends on the quarterback. Um, you know, Stoner's going to play outside a lot. I could see Jalen McCleskey as at the slot, just getting a ton of those little you know short routes, short passes, dink and dunk type passes, and and rack up you know seven eight catches a game. Uh, so I think that's kind of the dark horse for that, but I would I would definitely go with uh, with Dylan Stoner. They they seem to just love him. I, I remember Mike Yersich at the golf event, just gushing about Dylan Stoner. So I think yeah. he's he's poised for a big year, which I guess kind of leads to to yards. Do you think Stoner will lead him in yards as well? Uh, uh yeah, I I guess I I would like to make my point here that I think Tylen might have a better year than Tyron. I think Tylen Wallace might be better than Tyron Johnson this year. Oof. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's crazy. I think we saw the potential that Tylen had last year, right? Those, that yeah. one handed catch he made. I mean, he was playing over Tyron last year at times, which was crazy at the time. You know, I was up in the press box, like just befuddled. Like what, where is Tyron? I made the <laughs> Photoshop of Tyron Johnson on a milk carton. But uh, I think the, some of the stuff Gundy has said about Tyron is kind of the stuff we don't get to see. You know, he's, he talked a lot at media days about, you know, it took Tyron a long time to learn how we do things around here. So, and he got left at home for the pit game. So I think Tyron's big issue is, is Tyron and, and being the part of the quote-unquote, and I roll my eyes a little bit, the cowboy culture thing that Gundy talks about. So I think that's a big issue. And, and Tylen, look, Tylen was a huge recruit. So it's not, it shouldn't be that big of a surprise to us. But I, that's a, some people might deem that as a hot take, but I don't think it's that hot. I think that it's, I think it's pretty interesting that they've gone from having, I mean, guys that were just like huge bodies at receiver to four guys that are pretty small. I mean, Who's who's the tallest of the top four receivers they have? Is it Tylen? Is he like six one? They have Tyron, Tyron at six one. They have Tylen at six even. Okay, so, so Tyron is the tallest. And Tyron's, I don't think he's six one because I'm six one and I don't, I don't think he's. He so they're be. all they're all at six foot or below. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, because. You had Chris Lacey, you had Marcel Aitman. I mean, o- Oklahoma State's almost always had a pretty big guy. I mean, I guess you you have some of the cowboy backs. Like, I guess Jelani makes up for it at like six eleven or whatever he is. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's a good point because I, this is where I think two guys come into play here. You know, you you need you know those guys are all good, obviously. They're all but they're all six feet tall in the red zone. I think you need a bigger target, and I think that's where. L.C. Greenwood comes into play. He's 6'3", and that's where I think this Patrick McCoffman guy, who's 6'6", yeah. people rave about him. He's from Douglas High School in Oklahoma City, and he transferred to NEO. 
you know, some of those guys are going to have to play the Marcel Aitman role on third down where they just throw it up for grabs. So yeah. I think th- those are two guys to keep an eye on as well for a big target. It was interesting because at media days, uh, Gundy said he was talking about getting guys touches and he said, we've, uh, where's the quote? He said, Oh, talking about like the top seven or eight guys. Uh, we feel pretty good about seven and eight touching the ball, but it's really the first four or five guys that we want to get touches. Last year we had 10 is what he said. So (laughs) we just did a, uh, this isn't up on the, well, it's probably up on the site by the time we post this podcast. But right before I did this podcast, we did like a, a three man weave with me and Kyle Boone and Kyle Cox ranking our top eight in terms of like who, like in what order do you want these guys getting the ball? Like who's the one that you most want to get it? Who's second most? And, Ooh, and so on. I like this game. Can I play so, it when you're done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my top eight was obviously number one, Justice. Number two, Tyron. Tyron Siren. <laughs> Uh, number three, Stoner. Number four, Tylen, or Tylan. I, I don't know. I, I'm old. I don't know how you say his name. Uh, number five, J.D. King. Number six, Jalen McCluskey, and number seven, Chuba Hubbard. And I, I said I reserved the eighth. I, I reserved the right to keep the eighth spot for either L.D. Brown or L.C. Greenwood or even Patrick McCoffman or Jake Ross, who's going to be a cowboy back. Somebody like that, I think, will fill in that eight spot. That, but that was my top seven in that order. Uh, let's see here. God, I want to put Tyron one. I know you do. <laughs> uh, no, definitely Justice one. Um, God, Stoner is so good. Like he, he really is a good player. Uh, I did, I did make jokes at his expense though that. You know, throwing throwing slants to him is a little different than throwing a slant to Tyron. So I, I gotta go. I gotta go Tyron one or two. Yeah. Um, God, JD King is a beast, but I'll I'll go Stoner three. Yeah. JD King four. Uh, Tyron five. McCluskey six. Uh, seven. Who am I forgetting? Chuba. Oh yeah, Chuba, Chuba for sure. And then eight, I guess, would be whoever kind of emerges as that cowboy back, whether it be Jelani or you know the bigger targets like McCoffman or Elsie Greenwood. Just so, I'll, res- I'll reserve the right to those as well. So you had prob- you had basically the same list as me, except we switch. You had JD four, and I had Tylen four, and JD yeah, because because I think I think you know they're going to run the ball a lot more, right? And I just think J.D. King's more explosive, maybe, or more proven. More proven, I guess, is the better word. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. I, and I, I, I just, I don't think they gave him enough carries. Like, I, well, I, I love yeah. Justice, but I mean, get that guy the ball at the goal line. Well, and it, and it's hard because you're you're talking about these are different kind of touches, right? Like you're you're like when you give it to J.D., you're expecting something different than when you hit Tylen. So it's it's hard to sort of pit one against the other. I think it's interesting, like. We're we're talking about a guy that we have we both have sixth on our list, Jalen McCluskey, who he might he could be like a number two receiver on on most teams, and he might end up leading. I mean, we're just talking about he might end up leading Oklahoma State in receptions. Yep. I mean, it's it's crazy to me, and and I can't remember who talked about this. It might have been Yursich. Oklahoma State is, or actually, I think it was Gundy talking about how they are loaded at receiver, and but people aren't talking about it because of who they lost. Yeah, but they're they're so deep and so good at receiver and running back. I it just 
Cornelius just has to be, or whoever plays quarterback just has to be competent. And, and I think that that person can be, but I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they get all those guys the ball. Well, I think McCluskey just lacks the pure explosiveness to score on any given play, which would be why he's down there. It's not a, a lack of skill. I mean, I, I think he reminds me a lot of Josh Stewart as far as just a, a smaller receiver who just makes plays. He's he's played since day, since he got on campus, and Josh Stewart was the same way. Stewart was a little quicker, a little faster, more of a return guy, but very similar in terms of size. So yeah, I I, I agree. They're they're loaded at receiver. That's not a that's not one of the bigger question marks on the team. So uh, did we did we say who's going to lead in yards and touchdowns? Who who, who do you got? Uh, yards, I said stoner and touchdowns. I'll go. I'll go Tylen in touchdowns. You think he's going to be kind of the the fade route guy? Yeah, I think he's going to be like the a. Hey, we're thirty five yards out. Let's see. Let's see if we can hit Tylen for six. Oh, I'm going to be wishful thinking here and say Tyron. I mean, it's well, not. I mean, that's I, he's probably the favorite, isn't he? Or him, him or him or uh, Stoner? Yeah, but are are we really expecting him to have a big year after he didn't even get on the field last year? He had, he had like just, eight, he had like eighteen catches last year. I know. I go back to Bedlam, dude. I mean, season on the line. Who's playing? Well, Washington was hurt, but yeah, well, I know Washington's gone. That's the point. <laughs> but uh, I think that was more of a he got hot and they said, well, keep him in there, even though he doesn't know the plays or whatever the reason they don't, they don't put him on the field, whatever cockamimi reason that is. But I don't know. I'm just, I am just so, I am just so dubious that a, they're going to play him enough and B get him the ball enough after what I saw last year. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the blog has just tyrant gifts on it all year of him making people look stupid and just celebrating with all that swag he has. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm dubious. I can't wait till they go to him on like the fourth play of the season, like they did last year, and all like I just I'll I'm just gonna screenshot our text thread and tweet it out. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish he would have game one against Tulsa last year. I think I said he's like my favorite player I wish he's ever had or since De- <laughs> since Dez. He's like my favorite since Dez. Uh, okay, we need to. I, we forgot to do this earlier. We need to talk about Coop Ale Works. It's time for the Coop Ale Works Toast of the Week. Coop Ale Works, bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party at Tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coop Ale Works. And please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, Carson, do you have a toast or you want me to go first? Uh, you go ahead. Okay. I'm going to toast uh, the Oklahoma State. I, I don't know what department I'm toasting here, but whatever department is in charge of um, sort of like the logistics of putting the the uh, video board together and like just basically improvements essentially to Boom Pickens Stadium because I think it's easy to build a stadium and then just be like, yep, that's our stadium for the next 25 years or whatever. But I've, but to me, Oklahoma state is consistently trying to make theirs better, trying to improve it, trying to add, uh, you know, beer at games, trying to add a video board, all these different things. And, um, it's been, it's been great. And so I applaud them. You know, I think we get on to schools or whatever for their, for what they lack, but not often enough do we praise them for what they've done. So I'll toast a uh, Fly Me Away IPA, my new favorite of the oh. Coop, of the Coop Ale family. 
uh, to the uh, whatever department at, at Oklahoma State that is responsible for all of that. Didn't Gundy say he was like shocked when he saw it? Yeah, he said he's shocked about how quickly Spencer's picking up the playbook and how and shocked at how nice the video board is. And did you see that picture? You could see it from like an airplane, how big it was. I didn't see that. That's awesome. You didn't see man. that picture? There was a plane flying over Stillwater and they had like a just a blue screen up on the Jumbotron. You could see it from the plane. That's, <laughs> That's fantastic. The, the video board. I think it's going to be distracting, Kyle. That thing is so close to the field. Yeah. Um, If I'm a quarterback looking into that end zone, I just, and just in your, like, especially at night when it's going to be glowing and glaring into you, I don't know. I just, it's, it's shocking how big it is, A, and B, and B, how close it is to the field. That, I can't wait to see it in action. It's, it was long overdue. And yeah, you're right. Oklahoma State deserves a lot of credit. Mike Holder deserves a lot of credit for, you know, Keeping up with the Joneses, so yeah, that's good stuff. for sure. Uh, my toast is going to be a Saturday siren. You got me thinking of Tyron. Uh, to Jim Knowles, did you watch his mic'd up segment doing like yoga poses? Yeah, he's he might be crazy. He might be crazier than Spencer. I want him to coach a game like with a cigar. <laughs> See, I know he smokes cigars like after the games and stuff. Like, what's stopping him from just lighting one up on like once they like. You know the Gundy like puts his his visor on when it's yeah. the game's over. Like yeah. I want Jim Knowles when he takes his says headset off to light up a cigar. That'd be the press, awesome. The press box fills up with smoke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he but smokes no, Nursich out of the press box. Yeah, and I I just I got to meet him at um, the the golf event. He's an interesting guy. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of changes he makes. I certainly think he has as much or more athleticism than OSU's had in a long time on the defensive side. I just, I, I got to see it to believe it. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the defense, but I'll give Jim Knowles a toast for kind of uh, already putting his stamp on the defense. Yeah, I, I do. That's a good one. I like that one. I do want to talk about the defense, uh, but first we need to get to this week's uniform uh, preview, I guess, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We haven't talked about this, Carson. Uh, I want to know, and I'll give you a little time to think about it. Uh, I want to know what is one change or one addition you want Oklahoma State to make to their uh, uniform sets in, in 2018? Because I, I feel like Every year we kind of see a new wrinkle. Usually it's something at homecoming or, you know, just a lot of different things have been added. It, last year it was the uh, the helmets for Bedlam. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what you want um, to, to see in 2018 for the uniforms. Well, it's what I've wanted to see in 2017 and 2016 and 2015 and 2013, all the way to 2011, Kyle. Homecoming, Barry Sanders in the house. You have to wear 1988 throwbacks, the entire uniform. I don't, I don't want to hear any excuses. I don't want to hear about funding. They just built a massive media board or video board. I need, I don't want, I need to see 1988 throwback unis on homecoming. Yeah, that's going to happen, isn't it? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, they've done a great job with the helmet. I just, I, I do worry that they, there's some kind of rule that I don't know about or just it's not feasible, I guess, to do an entire uniform. But a lot of other teams around the country do it. I don't know. Maybe because Oklahoma State has more combinations than anybody. They can't. I'm not sure about that. But I, I don't care. I need to see it. Pay a fine if you have to. I don't care. <laughs> the, 
That feels like because Barry's the Grand Marshal. Yeah, Barry needs to walk out in his '88 jersey <laughs> while the team. He needs to run out with the team. You don't have to wear a helmet or pads, but he needs to be wearing his jersey with the team. How that cool would that be? be? That would be that. That's that has to happen. Because yeah, we've been talking about this for years, and that would be there would be no. I mean that that that's got that's got to take place. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, if it doesn't. I'm going to burn down the podcast the day after. <laughs> what do what do you, what do you want to see? This year? I'd like to see them add some more gray back in somehow. That was going to be my answer. Don't you? Don't, your favorite combo of all time until recently was the the gray carbon fiber, the white jersey, and the orange pants. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. They bring gotta, that. They got to update they, the carbon fiber, don't they? Bring that helmet back. Bring the uh, bring the gray pants back. Something you don't have to wear the gray jerseys. I know people lose their minds about those, but yeah, just add some of that back in. Yeah, they retired the uh, the gray jerseys. I think Did, didn't they wear gray pants last year at some point? Did they? That's embarrassing if if they did, and I don't remember it. I think they did. I can't remember. Uh, a little fuzzy on the uni review. But uh, one thing I did love last year, I'm looking at Kyle Boone's rankings of the uniforms. How awesome was it when they wore the Patriot Pete helmet but switched to black face mask to match the black jersey? Yeah, it's the little that, things. It, it really is. And that, you know, we we critique the uniforms a lot, but we, we also praise too. And that was that was just an unbelievable move. So hopefully, hopefully more of that, Kyle, is I guess is my ultimate answer is tweaking the little things on a given week to match up all in one. You know what I mean? Like whether it be the face mask, they've now proven they can alter that on a given week, be it the shoes, the socks, the face masks, what have you. So that, that was really cool. And I hope we see more of that this year. Yeah. I've been told that the guy who's, who's in charge now of the, uh, of the unis, Justin Williams, I believe is his name, that he's, he's an aficionado. Like he's deep in the game. Like he loves it. So Sweet. Uh, I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna see some, yeah, subtle stuff that that people really like a lot. Um, Do you have his uh, email and Twitter so we can like have fans bombard him with 1988 homecoming demands? Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll put that on the pod <laughs> at some point this year. They did wear uh, gray pants last year. That's what I thought. At, at Tech, at, right? No, at Iowa State. Maybe at Tech as well. Oh, that's right. So don't listen to me. I'm a moron. Well, they haven't worn a gray helmet or jersey in at least two or three years, so you're not totally wrong there. Yeah, gray gray helmet, I think, is is what I was more going for. That and I, I, I guess I should affirm that I like the gray pants. Um, real quick, did uh, you saw what Oregon did to their uniforms? What what are you doing, Oregon? Yeah, what pour- what's happening? I'm pouring out a a drink on the ground to, to mourn the loss of Oregon's great uniforms. It's it's an abomination. Could the number it, can can they even make the numbers any bigger if they tried? <laughs> they go from like the chin to the to the belt. They look like suspenders. Like the number eleven is going to look like he's wearing suspenders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not good. And I think I think I'm out. I think I'm out on Oregon. I never thought yeah, I'd say that. I know. It, it's it's proof that you can do too much. Well, and I don't know, just, yeah. I mean, they used to have come up with the coolest 
designs like the wing i do like the wings on the helmets coming back that's their best look i think uh and everybody everybody used to copy oregon but i don't think they'll be copying this no no it's not great uh okay let's uh let's hear one more time from our sponsor chris's university spirit and then we will come back talk a little defense and wrap things up Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, I have a, I have sort of a uh, half-baked defensive idea that I've, that I was thinking about today. I think that, so I think one of the common themes that you and I have heard throughout the preseason is that Oklahoma State's going to be a lot more aggressive on defense. So a lot more third-down blitzing, a lot more potentially getting burned deep, but possibly also creating really quick three and outs and turnovers and all these different things. And I think that what that's going to create is some, I think some people are going to be really upset about it because it's such a philosophical change because all we've seen for the last decade is bend, but don't break, bend, but don't break. And now it's going to be it's okay if you break as long as you turn the team over five times or as long as you get six, three and outs, as long as you get a team to punt from their own two. Uh, and I think that's going to be really hard. Like, I think, I think you're going to have to remind fans of like, Hey, yeah, this sucks at times, but it's also what everybody wanted. Like this is what you wanted during the, during the Spencer years. And this is what honestly, what Oklahoma state needed. And, And my point in that is like, if you're if you're one of the five best offenses in the country, you want as many possessions as possible. Well, Oklahoma State's defense over the last 10 years has given their offense as few possessions as possible. They've allowed defenses to or excuse me, opposing offenses to stay on the field for long periods of time. Oklahoma State was like 117th in uh in terms of how short amount of time their offense they possess the ball. That's not great. You, like you, you want as a elite offense, you want as many possessions as humanly possible. And I think this kind of defense is going to allow for that. And I think it's going to be a benefit to Oklahoma state in, in the long term. Yeah. And think about how tired OSU's defense got, you know, battling those 10, 12, 14 play drives from the other team. If you take a risk and get scored on quicker, you get to rest more. So maybe they can last longer in the season. Maybe they can last longer in a game. So that's that's part of it too. But but I also find it, isn't it odd, Kyle? Remember when Glenn Spencer took over? Wasn't that his, his MO? You know, Bill Young was the guy that yeah. sat back, but Glenn Spencer's going to take risks and blitz. It's almost like the Big 12 just beats that out of you. You're, just, you're so scared to death. The quarterbacks that we have in the Big 12 are just going to throw it over your head that you, you know... I, because that was Glenn Spencer's MO. So I, I'm going to wait and see if Jim Knowles is going to be this crazy, aggressive defensive coordinator with the 4 I'm going to wait and see because we thought that was what Glenn Spencer was too, right? So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I'm just I'm, – I'm here for the first time, you know, Boise scores on a two-play 80-yard drive and people are calling for Glenn Spencer to come back. And it's like, well, this is – 
this is the deal. Like this is how it works. But yeah, you're right. It, it maybe maybe that's not how it works. Maybe they'll get more conservative than Knowles says they're going to be in in the you know time leading up to the season. Yeah, but I think the over overall point is aggression leads to turnovers, and that's the only way Oklahoma State's going to stop people or contend in the Big 12, right? That's what we saw in 2011. They led the entire country in turnovers, and part of that was aggression. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and you also have to have guys. I mean, you can't just like go out there and be aggressive if you and I are playing linebacker. It doesn't mean anything, you know? And so you well, have to... Well, you, can, you can't blitz every play, sure. Right, yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think that's probably the thing that we're doing a storyline countdown right now, and that you know, just how this defense actually works is in our top three or four storylines for the season. I have a hot take. Okay. Uh, Tabo Wanaki. Yeah. Wanaki. Yeah. Will be the best safety OSU's had since Markel Martin. Wow. Was Markel Martin better than Trey Flowers? <laughs> is that a serious question? Well, I mean, Markel Martin was a first-team All-American. <laughs> Was he? Uh, in 2011, he was. Okay. I just thought they was, got drafted around the same spot. Uh, well, that might be true as far as NFL. And Markel and Trey Flowers got drafted as a corner. That's a little deceptive as well. Yeah, true. Uh, let me uh, look it up. But I, I, I really like Tabo. I think he he flashed a little bit last year. I had to like reach for the program. Who, who's 28? Who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah. And then you see he's from Denton Geyer and all Denton Geyer does is produce D one caliber football players. So Well, I th- yeah, and I think you go back you can go back and pick out, okay, who played as a true freshman. That guy's probably gonna end up being pretty good, right? Like, because only three or four guys I mean, maybe it's different now with the red shirt rule, but only three or four guys a year play as freshmen. You know, mm. last year it's uh it's Tabo, it's J D, it's Rodriguez, the other uh, defensive back from where's he from? Wagner. Who's that? Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, Tulsa guy, Wagner. Uh, and then there was, I think, one other. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, Tylen played also as a freshman. So I think you can pick those guys out and be like, yeah, they're probably all going to be pretty good <laughs> over the course of their career. And and yeah, like because he didn't play a ton. I think it, I think you can look at him and, and be like, hey, this is my breakout guy, and it's a pretty good bet. You know, I, I think that's a great call on your part. Markel Martin in 2011 was a Thorpe Award semifinalist, first team All-Big 12, first team All-American. Mm, yeah, he was pretty that's good. pretty damn salty. <laughs> and was knocking dudes' blocks off as well. Yeah, Stanford game. Uh, Ty Montgomery now playing in the NFL. Yeah. So, um, okay, we got two weeks from today. First game. Wow. Tear. Crazy. Should be fun. You got anything else before we uh, sign off? No, I'm good. It's good to get back okay. with you, and uh, I guess we'll talk next week. We will. It'll be fun. We'll talk to you then. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay.